Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 56, an early spring trip to the seashore. Early spring is not traditionally the high season for visiting the beach, at least not in Maine. The air temp could easily be below freezing, and the water temp hovers in the low 40s. The organisms for whom the beach is home are largely in winter mode. The cold temps and winter darkness result in not a lot of food or activity. They're waiting for the sun and the heat and the biological productivity those bring, just like we are. But when your semester ends in mid-April, and you have a low-tide field trip on your marine zoology lab schedule, to the beach you go, hoping to dodge the typical early April snowstorm. And so it was last week. I found myself at the beach at 8 o'clock in the morning, trying to pump up my students for exploring the intertidal and seeing what we could find. The beach we visited is a gravel flat with a steep upper face, located in a west-facing cove. On either edge of the beach, the shoreline curves to match the edge of the coves, and boulder fields are thick with rockweed. Even the gravel flat that extends well beyond the low tide line has pockets of fine sand and dense clay. I reminded the students this when we gathered around in preparation for exploring. The beach is really a collection of many habitats, different substrates for animals to live in and on. Sand, gravel, mud, under rocks, in micro-tide pools, in seaweed, and affixed to boulders. You can't expect everything to live everywhere, so if you want to see a diversity of organisms, you have to look in a diversity of habitats. We found the usual suspects tenacious rock barnacles who somehow overwinter facing brutal cold and the scouring action of both ice and rock-moving wave action, and still placidly open up to wave their feeding setae in the water when the tide comes in. Green crabs, of course, made an appearance and sparked a lively debate about whether or not those individuals should be punished for the ecological crimes of the species as a whole. Common periwinkles were everywhere as well, though were especially sluggish in the early morning cold. After that, low-hanging fruit, students explored a bit more and started to find things we don't often see, things you have to work a little harder to find. A group of students in rubber boots combed the water's edge at dead low tide, finding sea stars and sand dollars. As they were waiting, they noticed some tinafores in the water as well, gelatinous spheres about the size of a large marble, with eight rows of cilia and two graceful tentacles. Students quickly figured out that flipping over rocks is a good way to find organisms. Just be sure to flip them back over when you're done looking, please. Two rough nudibranchs were found this way, along with the eggs they were laying. The nudibranchs are well camouflaged and would probably have gone unnoticed except for being surrounded by their egg masses, which look a lot like wide rice noodles glued to the rock on one edge in a wavy pattern. It was a really good find. The rocks in the low intertidal were covered with slipper shells, the unusual filter-feeding gastropod that is technically a snail. Usually firmly attached to the rocks, we were able to dislodge a couple and get a good look at the underside, featuring both their foot and their face. The students with clam rakes wasted no time getting to digging, choosing the sandy section of the beach. The razor clam and surf clam shells that litter the beach are hard to miss, but unless you dig for them, you aren't likely to see a live one. They found several of each. They also found a fantastic predator we just talked about in class, a milky ribbon worm. Looking disturbingly similar to a giant pink tapeworm, the ribbon worm instead has a complete gut and a large white eversible proboscis, which it injects into shellfish to feed on them. 
They also found several tarbellid worms, creatures that live in muddy burrows and typically only extend their feeding tentacles and gills out to the surface. It was cold that morning, but conditions were in our favor. Bright sunlight and no wind, and as the sun rose higher, the air temperatures quickly warmed. It also helped that we had insulated rubber gloves for everyone, too. As the sleepy students shuffled off armed with clam rakes and buckets, I knew it would only be a few minutes before I'd start hearing laughter and calls of excitement. And I was right. This has been episode 56 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. Check out photos from this beach visit on our Instagram. Search at The Essential Rhythm. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week.